now perhaps more than ever, it is important for us to recognize the superiority of Christ. It is important for us to recognize the superiority of his will in our lives so that we know it, so that we practice it, apply it, and so that we have the ability to teach it and to uh, communicate it to all of those uh, with whom we come in contact. The book of Hebrews, of course, emphasizes the superiority of Jesus Christ better than any other book in the New Testament. It's been a little while since we've studied from Hebrews. We've covered the majority of the first two chapters and the first part of the third, but uh, with the exception of of one segment in the middle of chapter 2, and that's what I want to look at this evening. By way of review, quickly, you remember that Hebrews chapter 1 begins first in the first three verses by exalting the superiority of Jesus in five ways. Jesus is described first in Hebrews 1 and verse 1 as the final revelation of God to man. The Bible says God who at various times and in various ways spoke in time past by the, uh, to the fathers by the prophets has in these last days spoken unto us by his son. He is the final revelation of God to man. He is also, number two, the divinely appointed heir whom he has appointed heir of all things, the Hebrews writer will say. He is, number three, described as the creator and the sustainer of all things. The Hebrews writer goes on to say that it is through him that he made the worlds. And later on in verse 3, he will tell us that Jesus upholds all things by the word of his power. He is number four, the express image of God. Hebrews chapter 1 and verse 3, who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person. And he is finally, number five, the one who has purged us from our sins. Hebrews 1 and verse 3, he, when he had purged uh, by himself, rather purged our sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, another image emphasizing his authority. He is the final revelation of God to man. He is the divinely appointed heir. He is the creator and sustainer of all things. He is the express image of God. He is the one who purged our sins, and he is the one who reigns at the right hand of the majesty on high, possessing all authority. But that's not where he stops. In fact, that's just the beginning. Beginning in Hebrews 1 and verse number 4, and extending through the end of this chapter, Hebrews 1 and verse 14, he begins the first item in the series of arguments expressing or proving the superiority of Jesus In this case, he is proven to be superior to the angels. And there are, again, five reasons or five items that the Hebrews writer will list in order to prove that superiority. First of all, he is superior because of his name, and that name is Son. For to which of the angels has he ever said, the Hebrews writer asks, You are my son. Today have I begotten you. And again, I will be to him a father and he will be to me a son. No one has the right to be called the son of God except Jesus Christ. He is superior to angels because of his name and that name is son. 
But he is also superior to angels because he is worshipped. Hebrews chapter 1 and verse number 6. Let all the angels of God worship him, the Hebrews writer says, not the other way around. He is also superior because of his nature. Hebrews chapter 1 verse 7 to 9. Uh, And of the angels, he says, who makes his angels spirits and his ministers a flame of fire. But to the Son, he says, your throne, O God, is forever. A scepter of righteousness is the scepter of your kingdom. The nature of the Son of God is described in Hebrews chapter 1, verses 7 to 9. His nature is deity. Notice he he is called God. Your throne, O God, is forever and ever. And his nature not only is one of deity, but his nature is also of one who rules. The scepter, your scepter of righteousness, the scepter of your kingdom. You have loved righteousness and hated lawlessness, and therefore God, your God, has anointed you with the oil of gladness more than your companions. He is superior to the angels because of his nature, but also, number four, because he is the eternal creator. Hebrews chapter 1, verses 10 to 12. We are told that you, Lord, in the beginning laid the foundation of the earth, and the heavens are the work of your hands. They will perish, but you remain. And then finally, he is superior because of what he has accomplished. Hebrews chapter 1, verses 13 and 14. To which of the angels has he ever said, Sit at my right hand till I make your enemies your footstool? And they are they not all ministering spirits? sent forth to minister for those who will inherit salvation. Jesus is the Son of God who reigns at the right hand, who has overcome his enemies. Angels are servants. They serve the Son of Man. Now, beginning in chapter 2, verses 1 to 4, there will be a small pause which really serves as an area or a context of exhortation. He's looking back at the superiority of Jesus set forth in verses 1 to 3, then at the superiority of Jesus set forth in verses 4 through 14, and particularly bringing into mind what it is that he has accomplished. And that's what he means when he says in verse 3, how shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? What salvation is he talking about? He's talking about the salvation that the final revelation of God, the divinely appointed heir, the creator and sustainer of all things, the express image of God, the one who purged our sins, and the one who sits down at the right hand of the majesty on high, who is superior to the angels for all of those reasons, the great salvation that he has made possible, that his dispensation, his time, his age, his message, if you will, has brought in so Jesus is superior to the angels. And you remember in Hebrews chapter 3, this I think was the last lesson we looked at, verses 1 to 6, he'll tell us not only is he superior to angels, but he's also superior to Moses. But in between those two points, he's superior to angels, he's superior to Moses, we have this question of Hebrews chapter 2 and verse 9. Jesus is greater than the angels, but if that's the case, then what does Hebrews 2 and verse 9 mean? We see Jesus who was made a little lower, Hebrews 2, 9 says, than the angels for the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor that he by grace might taste death for every man. 
Now, if Jesus is superior to the angels who are created heavenly beings, who are ministers, who are servants, then how is it the case that he can be superior and also have been made lower than them? Well, there are four reasons for that that the Hebrews writer will identify in Hebrews chapter 2 and verse 5 through the end of the chapter. Let's look at the first one. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 5 to 9 Jesus is made a little lower than the angels in order to regain what man has lost. In order to regain what man has lost. He quotes from Psalm 8 in verse 6 through 8. And he makes a very important but in some ways difficult point to wrap our minds around. He says, for he has not put the world to come of which we speak. Notice, by the way, the world to come of which we speak. The world to come in this particular case does not refer to heaven, but rather it refers to the messianic age, the Christian age or dispensation, the arrangement of Christianity, if you will. He has not put the world to come of which we now speak in subjection to angels, but one testified in a certain place saying, what is man that you are mindful of him or the son of man that you take care of him? You have made him a little lower than the angels. You have crowned him with glory and honor and set him over the works of your hands. You have put all things in subjection under his feet. For in that he put all in subjection under him, he left nothing that is not put under him. But now we do not yet see all things put under him, but we see Jesus. He's quoting from Psalm 8 in verse 6 through 8. And the question is, to whom, of whom is he speaking? It is true that often in the Bible when we see the phrase man or son of man, we are looking at uh, an indication or we're looking at a, a description of Jesus. In fact, that is the most commonly, uh, that's the most common way, the most often used way in which Jesus refers to himself. But it is also true that sometimes when we see the phrase son of man, that we're not talking in reference to Jesus, but rather we're looking in reference to man, to humanity himself. And that seems to be the case in Psalm 8. And it seems to be the case as the Hebrews writer refers to it in Hebrews chapter 2. And the point seems to be something like this. When God created man and he created this world, he put man in a position of dominion over this world. But what man had, he lost because of his sin. But what man has lost, this, this uh, position of, of greatness, if you will, of, of blessing and fellowship that man occupies with his creator before sin, that is lost because of sin. In Hebrews chapter 2 and verse 9, the Hebrews writer makes his point and he tells us that Jesus has come so that man can be what God would have him to be. We see Jesus who was made a little lower than the angels, he says... Uh, for the suffering of death crowned with glory and honor that he by the grace of God might taste death for everyone reminds us of what we learn in Romans chapter 5 about the consequences of sin in the world the idea of that chapter basically is this what we lost in Adam we have more than regained in Christ and the point that the the Apostle Paul seeks to establish in that chapter is simply that sin and death entered into the world and death by sin because all of sin, Romans chapter 5 and verse 12, 
And the carnage that sin and death brings becomes a reality in this world. But what we've lost and what we suffer because of sin, we have more than gained or regained in Christ Jesus because he makes us the victors. So as the Apostle Paul will say in 2 Timothy chapter 2, if we live with him, we will then reign with him. Nothing mysterious in this context. Only the Hebrews writer seeking to make the point that man... Uh, what, what man has uh, destroyed or, or what man has seen ruined because of sin, that that is, uh, that, that, uh, he is exalted, if you will, in the death of Jesus Christ. Look at the second reason, verse 10 to 13. The second reason why Jesus is made a little lower than the angels is to bring many sons to glory. Listen to what he says. He says, for it was fitting for him, for whom are all things, and by whom are all things, in bringing many sons to glory to make the captain of their salvation perfect through suffering. For both he who sanctifies and those who are being sanctified are all of one, for which reason he is not ashamed to call them brethren, saying, I will declare your name to my brethren in the midst of the assembly, I will sing praise to you, and again, I will Put my trust in him, and again, here am, I, uh, here am I and the children whom God has given me. Notice that the emphasis of this, chap- or this section of the chapter really has to do with suffering. To the Jewish mind, a suffering Messiah was a foreign thing. Unthinkable, as a matter of fact. But notice that the writer of the book of Hebrews uses the word at the beginning of verse 10, fitting. The idea is appropriate, it was right, it was necessary for whom are all things and by whom are all things. That's a reference to Jesus in bringing many sons to glory. That's talking about us to make the captain of their salvation perfect through sufferings. The captain of our salvation is Jesus and we are told that he is made perfect through suffering. The word perfect is used 14 times in the book of Hebrews And often when the word perfect is used, not only in this book, but in the New Testament as a whole, it has to do with an end or a result, a desired end, if you will, a goal. But here, that doesn't seem to be the case. Here, it has in mind what goes really all the way back to the old law and the consecration of the priests. You see, the old law will tell us that the priests were perfected or literally qualified by means of various rites and ordinances that the law of Moses prescribed. They were perfected or they were qualified in those ways. And so that is what the Hebrews writer is talking about when he uses the word perfect in this passage. The idea is that Jesus was qualified and he was qualified, he says, through suffering. So there are then two things in this context. There is qualification and then there is identification. Qualification is united or is connected with the suffering at the end of verse number 10. Jesus identifies with man through suffering. Later at the end of this chapter, the last reason that the Hebrews writer will give is that Jesus, the word became flesh. He temporarily became lower than the angels, a little lower than the angels, so that he might be made a merciful high priest. And the idea behind that is that there's no one who can... Uh, legitimately say to Christ, you don't know what it's like to be human. 
You don't know what it's like to suffer. But uh, the fact of the matter is that Jesus does know what it's like to be human. Jesus does know what it's like to uh, to suffer. Uh, So qualification, he is made qualified or he is made perfect through his suffering. Suffering is the lot of humanity and Jesus knows what it is to suffer. But then there's also identification. He says in verse number 11, for both he who sanctifies and those who are being sanctified are all of one, for which reason he is not ashamed to call them brethren. And then quotation of passages to prove the point. The reference to those who are being sanctified is us. The reference to the one who sanctifies is Jesus, is him. And he says we're all of one. For this reason, he is not ashamed to call them brethren. There is qualification. Jesus identifies with man through suffering. There is identification. We are brethren. He suffered like us. So why did Jesus become flesh? The answer is to bring us to glory. And he did that by taking upon himself flesh and upon suffering and upon struggling just in the same way that you and I do. Look at verse 14. Here's the third reason. Verse 14 and 15, it's to destroy the power of the devil. Inasmuch then as the children have partaken of flesh and blood, he himself likewise shared in the same, that through death he might destroy him who had the power of death, that is the devil, and release those who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. He says, uh, actually we'll stop there, verse 14 and 15. Notice how specific the writer is in what he says In verse 14, you'll notice that he says, The children have partaken of flesh and blood, but he shared in the same. The word partaken in the Greek New Testament is a perfect tense verb, which the idea is it's something that happened at one point in the past, but the results are ongoing. Whereas when Jesus is, is said to have shared in the same, it is a tense that, defi- that describes some action that took place in the past. So you and I are human beings. We partake in flesh and blood, and that is an ongoing reality. Jesus is God, and so he came and he shared, or he partook in flesh and blood, but he did that only one time. He doesn't do it anymore. Philippians chapter 2 verses 5 through 11 would be an excellent commentary on what the Hebrews writer is describing. Where the Bible talks about the fact that Jesus as a submissive servant, that he took upon him the form of a servant, that he was found in fashion as a man, that he humbled himself and he became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. We know this, we know what the Bible teaches, that Jesus is God, and yet what Jesus decided to do, what he chose to do, is that he chose to become the Son of God, to take upon him the form of, uh, to take upon him flesh, to become the Word in flesh, 100% God and 100% man. So for a temporary period of time, Jesus walked Uh, in flesh in this world and so therefore he knows what it's like to be human but why did he do it that's the question the question or the answer to that verse 14 and 15 is so that he might destroy the devil he shared in the same so that through death 
he might destroy him who had the power of death, and that is the devil. 1 John chapter 3 and verse number 8 says that Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil. The Bible tells us that Jesus has overcome the power of sin and death. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 verse 26, 1 Corinthians chapter 15 verse 55 through 57. The devil has the power of death, and yet what this passage is telling us is that the devil's power, or the devil rather, has been destroyed. And the word destroyed means to render ineffective or powerless. Now, it's not to tell us that the devil is inactive. That would be, that would be a false conclusion. 1 Peter 5 and verse 8 tells us that the devil is active, that he walks about as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. The devil is not inactive. That's not what this passage means. What it means is that the devil, in a sense, is like a dog who has been chained to a, to a stake in the ground. He can move, but he can only move about in a small area. His power has been limited, and the reason is because Jesus rose from the dead and he conquered death, and so therefore, the story has already been finished. The devil knows that he has been defeated. The devil knows that he has been overcome. And the devil knows that there's going to come a time in which each and every one of us are going to overcome death in the same way that Christ overcame death. Because the Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 that Christ is the first fruits. And so since he rose from the dead, then therefore we will rise from the dead. And as he overcame, so will we. The power of the devil ultimately has been destroyed. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 14 and 15. And then finally, Hebrews chapter 2, verses 16 to 18. Jesus temporarily took upon himself flesh in order that he might become our sympathizing high priest. He says in verse 16, For indeed he does not give aid to angels, but he does give aid to the seed of Abraham. Think about that for a moment. That he doesn't give aid to angels, but to the seed of Abraham, that's us, that's humanity. He gives aid, he gives help. Therefore, in all things, he had to be made like his brethren. Notice, brethren, that he might be a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God to make propitiation for the sins of the people. For in that he himself has suffered being tempted, he also, uh, he is able rather uh, to aid those also who are tempted. The Hebrews writer says he was made like us. He was made like his brethren. That means he experienced trials and he experienced burdens and he knows life from a human point of view. And the reason is so that he might be a merciful and a faithful high priest. There are two things, rather. First, that he might be a, ma a merciful and faithful high priest. This is something that's going to be developed in more detail beginning in chapter 4 and verse 14. But second, so that he might make propitiation. Hebrews 9 and verse 22 tells us that without the shedding of blood, there is no remission. Sins cannot be remitted. They cannot be forgiven. They cannot be taken care of without the shedding of blood. And yet in Hebrews 10 verses 1 and following, the Hebrews writer will say that the blood of bulls and goats was not capable to deal with sin. So it's not the sin of a lamb, but rather it's the sin of the lamb. John 1 and verse number 29. And that is, of course, a reference to Jesus Christ. So you might say it this way. The reason why Jesus temporarily took flesh upon himself, the reason why temporarily he was made a little lower than the angels is for two reasons. Number one, for salvation. And number two, for sympathy. We go to him for salvation and we go to him for sympathy because he knows what it's like to be us. He knows what it's like to walk. He knows what it's like to walk in our shoes and to deal with the difficulties of life. 
So Jesus is superior. Jesus is superior to the angels. But for a short time, Jesus was made a little lower than the angels. And the reason, number one, is so that he might regain what man lost. What we lost in Adam, we've more than regained in Christ, Romans chapter 5. We deal with the results of sin and death in the world, but we don't have to deal with them forever because Jesus came, Jesus overcame sin and death, and so therefore we can be what God would have us to be. He came to bring many sons to glory. He's perfected or qualified in his suffering, and through that suffering, he identifies with us. We are brethren because he suffered and lived just like we do. He came, number three, to destroy the power of the devil. The devil held the power of sin and death, but Jesus arose victorious from the grave, and so he has been rendered ineffective or powerless. He has already been defeated. He already knows what the end result is. He came, number four, to become our sympathizing high priest. Salvation, sympathy, the ability to go to him and know that he understands and that he hears and that he cares. That's why Jesus, for a short time, was made just a little lower than the angels. But, of course, that wasn't permanent. He arose victorious, and he ascended back into heaven, and he now reigns at the right hand of the Father on high. And what the Bible teaches is that he reigns as Christ Jesus, as Lord and Christ, as God, as the king over his kingdom, and as the one who possesses all authority. So if we're going to go to God, it's going to be through him. Tonight, have you, have you gone to him? Have you obeyed his will, his message, his gospel? Do you believe that he is the son of God? Do you, are you willing to repent of your sins and confess your faith and be immersed in water for the forgiveness of your sins and be added to his kingdom? If not, why not? Tonight, are you a Christian? Are you struggling as a Christian? Are you struggling with sin? Are you struggling with the things of this world, of this life? We have a merciful and faithful high priest who cares and who longs to hear, for, uh, to long, who longs to hear from us that, uh, he, that uh, he might be able to help our needs. We're going to offer the Lord's invitation. Please come forward and let your need be known while we stand and sing together.